You're listening to Lab Notes, your weekly dose of inspiring innovation. Hello and welcome to Lab Notes. My name is Dr. Leo Stevens, and today I am very pleased to be welcoming a guest whose willingness to break down barriers has seen her achieve some incredible milestones over a relatively short academic career. Born in Vietnam, Kate Nguyen's passion for problem solving was enough for her to ignore stereotypes and become one of only a handful of female engineering students at the Hanoi Institute of Science and Technology. After graduating near the top of her class, Kate took on yet another challenge, moving her family to Australia to begin a PhD at the University of Melbourne. It was here that she found herself enthralled by the dual fields of civil engineering and fire safety. It turned out to be a life-altering choice, as the world's attention was soon focused on her work in the tragic aftermath of the Grenfell Tower fire in London. Today, you will most often find Dr Nguyen at the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology, where she has been the recipient of a DECRA Fellowship, the Battenham Medal for Engineering, and a prestigious L'Oreal Women in Science Fellowship, recognising both her research contributions and her role in breaking down stereotypes in a male-dominated field. Dr. Kate Nguyen, welcome to the Lab Notes podcast. Thanks a lot, Leo. Thanks for the invite. So we'd like to start by allowing our guests to introduce themselves and the work that they do. How would you describe your own research work at the moment? So um, I'm working interdisciplinary civil and fire safety engineering with a strong focus on advanced construction materials. It has been a fascinating journey for me. I'm lucky to have a lot of support, you know. It is not a really smooth journey all the time. But without the support from work and also support from my family, it's, it's impossible for me to do any research. Well, let's talk a bit about that background in your family life now, if we can. You were born in Vietnam. What was life growing up in the Nguyen household? Right. Well, I was born in Vietnam and in fact, my dad, he worked at a university and I got the chance to go to the lab with him. I got to observe it, to see some experiments, to know how things reacted and let you know how they make glass, etc. And he also took me, you know, to some um, trip to factories and plants uh, where I got some kind of images of how engineering life might look like. So I really enjoyed it. And I think that was the big reason for me to choose engineering because, you know, I got the inspiration from him. And um, we have a kind of slightly different culture over there. It is often that, okay, when you have a daughter, you will encourage her to do something like finance or um, medicine, you know, something is more girly. And for the boys, um, they will be encouraged to do um, engineering. But um, in my family, it was the other way around where I did engineering and my brother did finance. So it is not a traditional way but I'm grateful that I got the support from my family. Yeah, and you mentioned this briefly, but I heard an interview about that you did that your family initially viewed engineering as a boy's job. And I just wondered, I guess, what the success you've had in this career has done to help break down their perceptions and I guess the stereotypes of what, what an engineer is. 
you know, with with me, I I don't think I can change the perception. I think it is too much for me. But um, I started this journey with um some kind of persistent wish that I really want to do it. I I love the logic and the the mechanisms behind the things. So I want I want to learn about it. And I thought that I would like to do it for my whole life. Um, but when I got more interactions with other girls or other people, when they were um, hesitant to do engineering and I talked to them, I can give them my story and it can be some kind of encouragement for them. And um, I'm, I'm really happy with that. Absolutely, Kate. It is an inspiring story. And being a female engineer in Vietnam was, was one barrier to break, but another was becoming a migrant and moving out to Australia. I understand that the reason for your move was to begin a PhD program. So perhaps you can talk us through that that journey to Australia and the, the start of your PhD. Um, well, the first experience I had was I didn't move here by myself. I moved here with my husband and my daughter that time. So it was not that I was here alone. So the experience was better for me that way. But it was challenging, you know, from your own culture where you have like everyone around to help you. But when we moved here, we had to, you know, manage things by ourselves. But on the other hand, I think Australia is a very open um, society. Most of the people at uni or like the people that I met outside of uni, they helped me a lot. And actually, there was some kind of program where Australian family acted as the host. They gave me a lot of help and support in the early days. And I really appreciate that. On top of moving from another country to Australia, the other thing was that I changed my disciplines as well. So before I did chemical and materials engineering, but coming to here, I moved to civil and fire safety. So there were a lot more that I need to learn. So initially, it was not very easy, but the more I got into the, the materials, the more I felt excited and got on with it. So yeah, looking back now, it's quite clear that fire safety research has become quite central to your research portfolio, but perhaps it was not where you started. Can you tell us a little bit about how you became interested in fire safety research through your PhD program? Um, well, so when I did um, the PhD, initially I chose a different topic, but then I got to know about Pomastil Visa. They are one of the biggest facade manufacturers in the world, and they had a project with Melbourne University that time. And I got to know about their project, and I went to one of the meetings, and I saw that that must be the thing I want to do, you know, because they looked into composite material, they look into the fire behavior. Um, so before I didn't work like 100% on fire safety, but I work on like materials performing at high temperatures, like refractory materials. Um, so I think um, perhaps some of the knowledge that I had earlier, it can be applied here so that we have some kind of new insight into an existing problem. That is why I started. And after I got a little bit more into fire safety engineering, I knew that in Australia, it is not a well-established area, which means that you will have more opportunities in a new area. 
So yeah, you mentioned that this began as an industry project with Permasteel Lisa, who were a pre-existing industry partner at the University of Melbourne. And clearly that relationship kind of set the tone for your research work going forwards because you've developed quite a lot of industry collaborations through your research career. How do you go about approaching industry partners and bring them on board into these kinds of collaborative research projects that you are working on? Well, I think working with industry as an academic, we always need to acknowledge the fact that the speed at industry, they are a bit different from uni. When I discuss with the industry partners and I ask them about the deadline, like when do you want this to be done by, most of the time the answer is yesterday. And the other thing is we would need to integrate kind of non-technical performance into the technical as well, because sometimes we can make the best material in the world, but if we don't find the suitable application for it, then, you know, it, it does not get applied. So I think two things is, you know, the practicality as well as the timeline of the project. That is something I really keep in mind when I talk to an industry partner. So by 2016, Kate Nguyen had graduated from her PhD program with a passion for fire safety research, a newfound understanding of industry collaboration, and a postdoctoral fellowship at the University of Melbourne. But barely one year later, Kate's emerging research career was shaken by events on the other side of the globe. On a midsummer's night in 2017, a fire broke out in the Grenfell Tower in London quickly growing into an inferno that engulfed the building and tragically took the lives of 72 of its residents. For those in the industry, it was clear almost immediately that the tower's cladding contributed to the speed and ferocity of the fire, and it wasn't long before the world's media and lawmakers were demanding changes. In this seminal moment, Kate Nguyen's research was elevated from an academic niche to the very centre of public discourse. I asked Kate what she remembered of this tragedy and the impact the sudden public focus had on her research career. That day, I still remembered like I was at home and then I watched the news and I saw the fire broke out. I was really horrified, you know, because the fire developed so quickly and it just covered the whole building. And I still remember that time I talked to my husband and I told him they, they must be careful because it might collapse. So after that, I did a little bit more read about the building as well as what were reported on the news. I thought we really have to do something. And quickly we arranged like a symposium at the University of Melbourne where we were able to invite experts and we talk about the event and fire safety issues around cladding and facades. We, we were overwhelmed with the interest we had from that forum. It gave me a lot of incentive to look into this area because really something has to be done to make sure that people are safe at home. And also coming back to what you said earlier about the way that that event changed the landscape of research, um, I must say that there was significant change after that because, you know, uh, when 
something got everyone's attention. People would listen more about like what can be done. So we were we had more opportunities to raise the attention about our research. Um, so definitely there, there were more opportunities for us. But uh, from a researcher point of view, we really want to understand the issue behind that, the technical issues behind that. We want to change it. We want to improve it to make sure that it does not happen again in the future. Yeah, and, and this, I guess, this moment led on to the next stages of your research career, working on alternative cladding materials, ones that were not only fire resistant, but also thermally insulative and able to be manufactured from recyclable materials. Can you tell us about the claddings you developed and how that research progressed? And um, so in that project, we were lucky, you know, that we got a really good industry partner and um, we worked together on another cladding material. And the experience from that project was that it was not easy from the beginning because we had the standard and we got to pass that one. Um, but, you know, when, when I look at the material, what we would like to do is we don't want to just look at an aspect of the performance. We thought that it would be better if we can look at other performance and we we want to make sure that whatever we are producing, we don't have to reduce other performance, um, if not making uh, them better. And when we talk about climate change and bushfires, it was kind of a tragic cycle. Climate change makes bushfires more severe and then more bushfire released into the environment and then more climate change. And the same thing with construction, you know, we have construction, bushfire happens, we need to uh, build more. So, you know, that cycle, I don't want to do that. You know, if there's something we can do just to make sure that we have new material, but we don't add up a lot to the environment, to slow down like the detrimental effect of climate change, um, that would be better. So that was how we started and um, it was challenging, but we had a good team over there and we were lucky that we found the solution to that. Yeah, and you mentioned bushfires there a few times. I know that's become a real focus of your research after you won the L'Oreal Fellowship and it's a bit of a different focus versus the prefabricated panels that really were stemmed from the Grenfell Tower disaster. Can you tell us a little bit more about what work you're doing on bushfires and on retrofitting existing homes as well to be safe from bushfires in the future? Yeah. Um, so that one, it was a different project and um, I was lucky to have the support from L'Oreal UNESCO for Women in Science Fellowship. I mentioned earlier about bushfire and, and climate change. What I did was that uh, I looked at the performance of construction in bushfire and I was thinking that, you know, if we can look at a coating that can be used over existing houses in bushfire prone areas and if we can improve the bushfire resistance for them, we can make them more resistant so less rebuild or reconstruction is required post bushfire. And in the materials development, I also put on my glasses of the um, sustainable 
uh, sustainability and then um, I look at like different options for the material and uh, we thought that okay so with a kind of low carbon emission coating um, that we only use less than 10% of virgin materials and in the making process we don't use thermal treatment and then we can reduce about 0.8 ton of carbon dioxide per ton of the coating. I think it, it would be good and on the other side, when we did the development, we look at trees in Australia as well. And they have some kind of um, layered buffs that would really help them to increase their fire resistance. And, you know, that's the evolution of thousands of years where the tree changes its structure in order to, to behave better in a bushfire. So um, that's why we also want to use the spray technology in order to mimic that layer structure to make sure that we use less material, but we have um, better fire performance. And I guess as you've built this portfolio of work in fire safety and civil engineering, you've come to be known outside of just academic circles. And I'm thinking particularly about your role as the chief engineer in Cladding Safety Victoria. Can you tell us how you became part of this organization and what you see as your role in informing policy debate as well as the science around fire safety? Well, um, it was quite a bit of a journey, you know, to have my role as a chief engineer at Cladding Safety Victoria. Like, I am grateful that my expertise from materials and, and cladding can be useful. And at Cladding Safety Victoria, when I first talked to um, the team over there, I was really impressed, you know, with the way that they um, wanted to do things because they also look at the view where what can we do to make sure that it is safe, but also it is practical and it is sustainable. So I found some kind of synergy there between the incentives of my research as well as with CSVs. And at the moment at um, CSV, I'm working with the team to develop some kind of protocols to make sure that we can rectify combustible cladding in our Victorian buildings as quick as possible, as safe as possible, by utilizing the best, you know, the resources that we have. And it is a bit different between the academic environment and governmental environment. But I think the team over there, they are very supportive. And I got the chance to look at the technical side that really, you know, helped me to do the work. I, I really hope that with combining these two parallel roles, um, it would be faster for me to, to find the latest research outcomes and to facilitate the translation to have really good uh, policies working towards the safety of our people. Yeah, Kate, and I guess that covers off two important elements of this journey. You've got the fundamental research going on in your labs and also helping with the government frameworks and policy setting. But I know you're also very keen on getting these technologies you're personally developing the lab out into the world as products and services. Can you tell me how you're approaching this? Are you looking to start, you know, startups and entrepreneurial journeys yourself? Or is it primarily through your connections with the industry and those partnerships that you'll see your technologies rolled out by, by those companies? So at the moment with these technologies, I was lucky that I found industry partners to share the journey with me to work commercialization. 
but it is not easy, you know, because before commercialization, everything is about technical, but when it moves to the commercialization, a lot more knowledge has to be put in. And what I can say is that without the industry partners, that couldn't happen. Um, or part of that, we are looking like for other ideas and other new research areas. And I look forward to partnering with new industry people as well. So I guess what are the key challenges with taking this forward that you feel you couldn't do as a research team in terms of the business planning and that kind of stuff? What are the industry partners bringing to the table? So the first thing that the industry partner always brought to the table is understanding on how the process uh, works. They have been in industry and they know about like the need, they know about the way that we should market the product. So um, that is um, really something. And on top of that, because most of them are manufacturers, so they have a lot of experience in setting up some kind of plants or like how to modify the current plant in order to make it viable. That kind of experience is, is really important for commercialization. And, and can I move on a little bit now? We've mentioned a couple of times, you, you got a very prestigious award from L'Oreal, the Women in Science Fellowship. You've also received the Batten and Medal and, and a few other awards from your universities. On a personal level, what, what, does, what do these awards mean to you and kind of the validation for the hard work you've been putting into your career and these, these important goals? Um, um, thanks, Leo. Um, I think these awards, um, first of all, I am really lucky because, you know, I'm a working mom. I got the support from my family. And then at work, I had really, really good support. I couldn't do that um, without them. And for these awards, I'm very honoured to receive them. I think it will be somehow rewarding for the hours that I had to work after hours and for the time that my daughters had to sacrifice, you know, because of their mom working. And I really like to use it as some kind of really good foundation for my career. I want to like do more in order to help other girls if they are interested in engineering. So I hope it can give some kind of good incentives for some girls if they're interested in this career. If there are some people, some girls who are hesitant, I am always have time you know, to talk to them and make sure that if they are into it, then they have enough support. That's fantastic, Kate, and probably leads very nicely into our final question, which is what advice would you give to a young girl or indeed any young researcher or entrepreneur who's looking to get into this world of, of engineering, of science, of research translation? Do you have any parting words of advice for us? Well, I have like three words, just go for it. If you love it and if you have the passion, you will thrive and be well rewarded. It is your hard work that makes you stand out. And if there is some issues and there will always be issues, reaching out to the people that you know and you will be amazed with how people are willing to help you. Well, that is a truly lovely spot to wrap up this interview. Dr. Kate Nguyen, thank you so much for joining us here on the Lab Notes podcast.
Thanks a lot, Leo. Um, it is um, really honor for me to have the chat with you today. Well, that's all we can fit into Lab Notes for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're keen to hear more inspiring stories of innovation, check out our back catalogue and subscribe to the channel so new episodes can appear on your device once a week. Lab Notes is produced by Eon Labs in collaboration with Brenny Digital. You can find links to both of those organisations, along with our guests' biography and more in the description below. Our music is sourced from Purple Planet Music and mixed by Nat Harris. I'm your host, Dr. Leo Stevens. Until next week, keep inventing.